Has your cat started missing his or her litter box? Does your dog bark or growl every time someone comes to your house? There are many reasons that your pet's behavior might change, and the ARL is here to determine any stressors and remedy the behavior. Contact the ARL's behavior specialists at arl-iowa.org slash behavior help to learn more. Welcome to the Animal Rescue League of Iowa's For Love of Animals podcast. Here are your hosts, Carol and Dan. Welcome to the For Love of Animals podcast. I'm Carol and I'm here with Dan. Hello. And we're here to talk our wonderful favorite subject, animals, for the next hour. Yeah, anything. Anything. Well, maybe an hour. We don't know. We don't know. We can do whatever we want. Right. It could be two hours. <laughs> you guys could be thinking the podcast is about over and we just keep on blathering. Right. Yeah. And then I get squirrel brain and think of something else. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which is the fun thing about you. So there you go. So... Uh, yeah, and we need to talk about new species that were discovered because last week we said we would and we haven't. Um, but interestingly enough, before we lead into that, a friend of mine and his family are in Costa Rica and he <laughs> texted me a photo and was like, do you know what these are? Uh, there's a whole band of them, I think is how he referred to them, outside the door of the place we're staying and uh, just wondered if you knew what they were. I didn't. I didn't have a clue. You. I showed you the picture, and you got it right off. Yeah, I knew right away. Yeah, um, they're Codamundis. Yep. Codamundis. Yeah. He's he uh, wrote that they are a whole gang of them came to the door. We're trying to steal <laughs> someone's lunch. He thought it was adorable, as would I. Uh, but they're Codamundis. So I, I started researching Codamundis. Um, yeah, they're cute. You already knew. You already knew all about them. Yeah, so. and, and the reason. I knew what they were is because they have a very distinct tail and it looks like a ring-tailed lemur's lemur. tail and I'm obsessed with lemurs. You are. <laughs> yes, uh, orcas and lemurs. Yes. And Komodo dragons. I, You're all well, over it. I don't know about those. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yes, I actually, I mean if I'm being honest, I had emailed uh, my husband and said, "Do you know what these are?" and he <laughs> says, "Kodamundi, I think they're a relative of the Komodo dragon." <laughs> Because you and I have been talking about Komodo dragons I on know, here as have. being really horrifying. They are scary. Horrifying. Yes. Uh, but Kodamundi were interesting. So the average lifespan in the wild, seven to eight years. Um, there's four different types of them. They're named because of the nose. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting was they give birth in trees. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yes. I mean, picture that. I know. I know. I mean, that, that is just unbelievable. I so, know. yeah, interesting. Yeah, and they're uh, South America, Central America, Mexico, and even in some parts of the southern U.S. I assume, like te in Texas or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're cute. Th they are. They're adorable. I I'm not sure. I just I think I had seen it. I, I will say they looked a little bit like raccoons to me. Yeah. In the face. Yeah. I mean, so that's why I was kind of like, I wonder if that's a part of a, you know, species of a raccoon. Or, and of course it's not, but. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> all um, good. And they're <clears throat> also in southern Arizona and New Mexico along with Texas. Okay. So. So they are in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you I don't, don't know, have to go all the way to Costa Rica to see exactly. Them. I could can. just put one of those places on my bucket list yeah. instead because. There you go. But you know what I thought was really cool. I, soon after he sent me the Coda Mundi photo, he also sent one that was a enormous, which I showed you, iguana in a yeah. tree, which I I think is so cool because when they're living in the wild, they can grow to their you know. Right. Um, and I thought, God, what a cool um, place to go when you're seeing these animals in the wild like this. I know. How cool. I know. Very I had. Cool. Um, well, actually, she used to. She was uh, a veterinarian here, um, Doctor Stefan. Yes, uh, yes. She just recently went to. Um, oh my gosh, that's terrible! Uh, the Galapagos Islands. Yes. And uh, there's lizards and iguanas and everything there, and she was posting pictures of those too. But you know, that's where the blue-footed boobies are. Have you ever heard of those? No. They're birds, and their feet are like. A literal blue color and they call them blue footed boobies and that's the only place you can see them <laughs> okay now i'm gonna have to look those up because yeah, that sounds up. fascinating <laughs> so while i'm doing that you need to talk about the new species that were discovered yes i do yes. so i failed to do this as carol said um last week i said i was gonna at least have one either new species discovered or um if 
science finds a species that they thought were extinct, then we would also talk about that. So <clears throat> this week I'm going to do two. So the other new species uh, that was uh, discovered this year was a light bulb anemone, um, which divers found this. Um, a group of scientists from Ohio and Florida, they published an article, and it summarizes all of the information gathered by ocean enthusiasts over the years. They're translucent sea creatures that live in the Gulf of Mexico where it stings and ensnares prey from the safety of rocky crevices. So hmm. imagine um, like an, a sea anemone is like, you know, when you see a clownfish and they're always in something, yeah. that's a sea anemone. Yeah. So it looks like that. Interesting. Um, but they're translucent translucent and very small, sometimes just a half inch across. So you probably can't see them. Right. It would be very hard to see them. Yeah. But somebody was reviewing something and... Um, uh, found found a new species of anemone. I love that. I know. I love that. That's so cool. And then the other uh, species is a nautilus, which these are crazy looking creatures. They're kind of like shrimp. They kind of look like shrimp, but oh. they're they're beautiful. Okay. Um, nautiloids are some of the oldest surviving animals on the planet. They first emerged nearly a half a billion years ago. Um, but they found a new species of, of Nautilus. Uh, and the, Bernie actually posted the link where I'm getting this information, yeah. where all of them are listed. So um, go check out the ARL uh, for Love of Animals Facebook page yeah. and scroll down and there's a huge picture of a wasp's head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the one that I talked about a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, but they're all listed there. and They have pictures and uh, you know a lot more information. And we're going to keep talking about the new species discovered. Oh, yeah, exactly. You, you know, it's interesting. It seems like so far, so far they seemed, uh, and, you know, we won't ruin it for everyone, too, if you want to be surprised, but uh, water or, like, insect creatures so far. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Something, yeah, super tiny. Right. Like a wasp. No fur. Or an ant. Right. Or water species. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that just goes to show you that we have <coughs> no idea what resides in our ocean. And how cool is that? Right. I mean, how exciting what and we could another discover. reason why i don't really want to get in the ocean except if you can go swim with orcas yeah then i totally because that will. makes total sense yeah well they'll, they'll protect me <laughs> okay they'll protect me from the yachts right? yes yes they will so <laughs> i just looked up the blue-footed booby and yes. you weren't kidding they're blue yeah they're really blue oh my gosh they are beautiful yeah so these birds are like white and brown and they have Large feet when you, when you, I mean, like duck type feet, duck type feet, yes, yeah, yes, huge feet, but they are bright, bright blue. Um, how cool is that? Never heard of them, never saw that before. That's gonna have to go on our bucket list, yeah, for sure. I will, I'll totally go to uh, the Galapagos, but yeah, they're native <sighs> to subtropical and tropical regions of the eastern <clears throat> Pacific Ocean. It's one of six species known as boobies. And do we know, I mean, are their feet blue? You know, like flamingos turn more pink, the more like yeah. shrimp and stuff. I yeah. wonder if their feet turn different shades of blue. Like, do they get more blue if they're eating something or are they just that bright all the time? Right. You so know, that's a good observation. Um, and it says here that the they're obviously easily recognizable by its distinctive bright blue feet, which is a sexually selected trait and a product of their diet. Of their diet. So what? Yep. Are, I wonder what they're eating that turns them blue. <clears throat> I don't know. Let's look. That is fascinating. They're they're really really amazing birds. Yeah. F okay. Foot pigmentation here. It says the blue color of the blue-footed boobies webbed feet comes from structures of aligned collagens in the skin modified by uh, pigments obtained from its diet of fresh fish. There we go. So the fish that they eat must be blue pigmented or God, mostly blue pigmented. God, it just, animals are the most fascinating things. I know. Yes, that is so cool. Well, and it's crazy because they, you know, we, um, you know, all these animals are evolving. Every every time there's a new one born, it's born a little bit different than the right. generation before, right? Yeah. Which to me, that's creepy, but it's also very cool. Right. Um, and these animals have been around for millions of years, long before we probably we were, were yeah. here, but um, they just, it's weird that they've figured out how to adapt and survive all on their own. But it is so important as us humans who are supposed to be the advanced species. Right. 
<clears throat> we do everything we can to save all these species. We, right. We Why need, not? We need to. I mean, think of how we will diminish what we can be if we let these animals be extinct. Right. Yeah. Like if we weren't sitting here talking about blue-footed boobies, right? what would we be doing? Right. <laughs> right. And I, I'm guessing there's more than just me out there that's never heard of one, mm -hmm. you know. Or, you know, somebody else besides you who doesn't think turkeys can fly. I right. mean, the point is. <laughs> valid, valid, valid. <laughs> I wonder if these birds can fly. <laughs> no, I know they can fly. <laughs> oh, my. But, yeah, they're super cool. Yeah, uh, very I'm sure cool. Bernie will post a link uh, out there on, I just like saying blue-footed boobies. I know you do. And I did send him a link while we were talking here. Uh, okay, so good. I'm guessing he'll have it up here for people to take a look at. So, okay, awesome. um, And on your new newly discovered species. So be sure yes. to check out our, our For Love of Animals Facebook page. And if you have not gone on there, you know, I had a couple of people say to me, well, I'm already on the ARL Facebook page, so I don't need to because I can see it. You need to get on the For Love of Animals Facebook page. There's other stuff posted on there besides. Right. Yeah. So. And it's. Like that page is specific just to the podcast. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So so we can act a fool over there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they want no part of us sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, check it out. Uh, and if you have questions, whatever, send it. You can send it to us on on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and our phone number is up and going. It is. Yes. And when you call that number, which is five one five four six one. 5079-461-5079. You're going to hear Dan's voice, and I'm we're sorry. totally open to questions and <laughs> comments and anything like that. Yeah. And if it's hate-filled, we're going to hang up on it. We're going to delete it. Yeah, I mean, I'll listen and laugh and make fun of you and then delete <laughs> it. Because we're all about compassion and kindness here. Right, so, so don't even bother. Yes, so we are going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about lots and lots and lots of really cool, fun stuff. So come back with us. Hi, I'm Tito Beverage, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, I started the first micro distillery in the state of Texas with my dog, Dog Joe, at my side. We're still working with dogs out at the distillery after all these years. Learn more about how dogs are a part of life here at Tito's Handmade Vodka at vodkafordogpeople.com. Tito's Handmade Vodka is made from corn and naturally gluten-free. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Is your company looking for a way to support the community? The Animal Rescue League of Iowa hosts eight major fundraisers each year, each with sponsorships available. From gourmet apples for Valentine's Day to our Raise Your Paw auction and Pedal for Paws, there's sure to be an event that is a good fit for your company. Contact our event staff at events at arl-iowa.org for more information. Welcome back. We're back with For the Love of Animals podcast, and I'm Carol, and I'm here with Dan and hola. uh hola hola and i tell you what this next story is one of the cutest things ever I know. that recently came out so there were um in indiana they welcomed a litter of the endangered african painted dogs which we talked about yeah we talked about last last week yeah in oklahoma city Ex absolutely so um only three of them unfortunately survived um, but they survived thanks to an unlikely surrogate mother. So they usually, African painted dogs actually um, live with a pack of like-minded predators in the wild. Um, but what's taking care of them right now and raising them was a golden retriever. How cute I love is that? It. <laughs> That's just so sweet. The zoo announced last week eight pups were born at the zoo uh, in September, but their parents, uh, who they named Blue and Maurice, were uh, not caring for them. Um, and so within 12 hours, uh, they knew that there was going to be problems um, and that the pack wasn't going to be able to successfully raise the puppies. So uh, Blue, I mean, she was just an inexperienced mother. and Yeah, she, confused. Right, wasn't caring for the pup the way she would have and should have. And Maurice, the, dog, the dad, was following the lead. So, I mean, they just they were, just didn't know what it was going on their yeah. experience so anyway zoo staff consulted professionals uh that help uh develop breeding plan plans for these african painted dogs in the u.s keep in mind there's less than seven thousand adult painted dogs in the wild and they're considered in danger due to human wildlife conflict Quit. habitat i know do better do uh, better is right habitat fragmentation and disease so anyway the the puppies um basically um 
instead of bottle feeding the pups, they recommended finding a surrogate dog Mm -hmm. and uh, to help nurse them. And uh, the Indiana Council for Animal Welfare connected the zoo with a golden retriever named Cassie, who had recently given birth and was producing milk that she could feed uh, to the painted dog pups. So she came to the zoo with her own puppies and immediately took in the painted dog pups as her own. Oh, my God. I I I love this story. Seriously. Because... They found a way. They found a way. And the photo of this golden retriever with her golden retriever puppies and then the, the uh, African painted dog puppies it, is so cute. It is so cute. <laughs> and you think about that. Uh, you think about that like she's not looking at them going they're different. Like she took them in. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, she's like, oh, you're hungry? Come on in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Uh, the zoo said they're going to create a home, and they've created a home for the three pups next to the adult painted dogs at the zoo. I guess they decided against putting them together with the with the other painted dogs because the older ones didn't display. I love this. It was very diplomatically written. Uh, quote, didn't display suitable positive interest in the puppies. So the plan was changed. They're going to reintegrate them um, when they get older. So, and this, you know, amazing the zoo. I'm sure the staff was exhausted from oh, yeah. all of this. They're 11 weeks old now. The three that survived are thriving under Cassie's care. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Cassie will go home again, obviously. But that's so cute. It's so cute. And it reminds me so much, you know, I recently adopted Lily, a white cat that um, had been left out on the streets, uh, pregnant. She came in, she had three kittens and uh then we had an orphan kitty come in Mm -hmm. a black and white orphan Mm -hmm. kitty come in and she took in that orphan kitty and raised it up too so here she was she's pure white which i have since adopted her and then the three white kittens and then this black and white kitten in the midst of all of it but i love these i mean animals are amazing Mm -hmm. like they take it like especially this painted dogs that's like this is a golden retriever right and you're taking in painted dogs you know so amazing i love it Love it, love it, love it. Uh, it says here, um, while African painted dogs are considered small, 29 to 43 inches long, but they can run up to 44 miles per hour. Oh, my gosh. And they hunt big prey like antelope. Uh, antelope. Really? Yeah, which is crazy. But they do work uh, together to pack in their pack to coordinate hunts. So they're pack animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense. And wow. 60% of their hunts ending in catches. That's a good... Percentage. It is. My gosh. Good for them. It's and a shame they're endangered, though. Yeah. Yeah. We and need to do better on that. Yeah, we need to do we better on that. that. Uh, they're And they're beautiful. My gosh. Yeah, the coloring. Wow. I, I know I mentioned that last week, too. The coloring of them is gorgeous. Yeah, it really is. You know, they look like hyenas, but they don't have that. Uh, <laughs> they do look like hyenas. You know, they don't have that, like, arched back as much yeah like they a, don't have like that look hyena. like mm, i'm gonna get you no matter what you are that's like right. the hyena so. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, very cool and dan i'm gonna let you take the lead on this next one it's so super cool yeah it is um it, this is interesting so we all know the internet was made for cat videos <laughs> that's, like, that's right let's face it that's what it was for that's right um, this story, uh, Bernie sent this over to us, so thank you for finding this. This is um, actually on Iowa Public Radio. Uh, in Cape Canaveral, Florida, uh, there's an orange tabby cat named Taters, which stars in the first video transmitted by laser from deep space. So all these scientists got this thing set up. The video was uh, put on, it was a 15-second video that was beamed to Earth from NASA's Psyche spacecraft, which was 19 million miles away. And it took less less than two minutes for the ultra-high-definition video to reach uh, the observatory where everybody was at, um, which is the test systems. uh, It was sent at the test system's maximum rate of 267 megabits per second, which is crazy. Unbelievable. That now they're streaming laser beams from 19 million miles away yeah. and it's a cat video right because again <laughs> it's all about the cats right, right. <laughs> exactly yeah this happened on uh <laughs> december 11th um it was just released by nasa this week so i have not actually watched the video yet um i'm gonna do that after the podcast i wanted to wait but um 
yeah, cats taking over the world. It's so and, cool. And space, apparently. That's right, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> apparently. That's just so cool. Now, when the cats learn how to work the laser beams, <laughs> we're going to have a problem. <laughs> exactly. Planet of the cats. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, Watch for the funny. movie coming soon. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> I well, think we had some more cat cat news didn't we yes well we had or two cat two cat questions submitted this week and if you want to awesome. submit a question to us that phone number we gave out earlier you can call that number 515-461-5079 and leave a message with your cat question on it we're happy to answer it um and you can get on our website www.arl-iowa.org and submit it there or you can get to our arl for love of animals facebook page and yes. put it there yeah you any, I mean, you can send us snail mail if you want. Right. We'll answer it. Yeah. Okay. So the first question was um, uh, from Lindsay. When she goes to drink, my cat, when she goes to drink out of the water bowl, she'll bat at the bowl with her paw, causing the water to go out onto the floor. She'll do this until there's very little water <laughs> left in it and then drink the water off the floor. Any ideas on how to correct this? I'd like to have water in the water bowl for her and my two other cats to drink out. Of and not all over the floor. Well, that's it's, annoying. I know, and I love this question because I, I giggled when I saw it. I, Lindsay, I feel for you, uh, but it's just so so cat, isn't yeah. it? Yes. So what I recommend is one: the cat may that bowl. That I, I don't know the size of this bowl or the depth of this bowl, but it may be deeper than what the cat's comfortable to drink out of. I know that sounds a little bit weird, but we've had some experiences where it's too deep or too thin, and they don't like having to, you know. Mm -hmm. So you may want to consider getting a more shallow bowl, bigger bowl, and seeing if that stops the behavior. Interesting. Um, the second, and you may want to move the bowl to a different location just to really, you know, or add Change a bowl. Change things to that. up. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing, and I love this solution, and it works really well for a lot of cats that play with water like this, is to get decorative rocks um, <clears throat> and big enough so they can't accidentally swallow them. Yeah. So big decorative rocks and put them in the bottom of the. Uh, the bottom of the bowl and then it, when there's something in there sometimes the cats will not continue to play with the water mm. because there's something in there when they look in there they don't necessarily see you know right so the reflection right or whatever yeah right so try one of those two things and let's see if that gets them back to drinking out of the bowl um and not splashing the water all over your floor yeah that would be frustrating uh did, do you have cats that play in water <clears throat> you know i used to have a cat my cat named jack uh who passed away at 20 he was just ornery as you can all get out well he lived to 20 uh, so it checks ex out exactly <laughs> his thing was hair ties and he would get hair ties put him in there and then he would sit there with his paw and splash the water out and i have researched and talked to people i mean hair ties is they're fast cats are fascinated by hair ties yeah they love it yeah and i think we had somebody comment on our facebook page after you and i had been talking yes about fetch, fetch. Yeah. yeah yeah marcy said that her cat uh jacks or jack was is like that yeah with hair ties yeah plays with them fetches yep. them i loved it on she his said, terms on his terms and that was our whole point and she, <laughs> didn't she say she got him like a pack of like 300 of them yeah. or something but i loved your comment about the refrigerator yeah 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 it was i said and they're probably all 300 <laughs> of them are probably under the refrigerator and she had said she saw him under something else it wasn't the refrigerator but she saw a couple peeking out and so oh i think it was the fridge and so then or I think it might have been the refrigerator. Was it the refrigerator? I can't remember. Anyway. But anyway, she put like a, a broom handle or whatever <laughs> under there, and she said there were like 30 of them. <laughs> that hilarious? Oh, my gosh. So funny. Yeah, I love that. So funny. So anyway, there's some tips for the bowl. Let's see if that can work for you. Um, the second question we got submitted was, I'm getting a kitten. Are there things I should do to, you know, the gist of it was raise up the kitten to be a really healthy adult cat mm -hmm. used to stuff. And I love this question because there's so much you can do when you adopt a kitten and a puppy, right, Dan? Yeah, I same, mean, yeah. same type stuff. Yeah, this is exactly going to apply to a puppy. Too. Yeah, um, to get them used to it. So you think about what you do with your cat. You take your cat to the vet. Your vet touches the cat, the cat, you know, blah, blah, blah. So what we want to have people do who adopt a kitten or a puppy, uh, touch their ears, touch their paws, yeah. um, touch their tail, yeah. you know, look at, uh, pull up their lip, look at their teeth, right. look at their, um, all those things that your veterinarian is going to do. 
And if you start young like that, they're just going to be used to it. Right. And it's not going to be a stressor for them. Exactly. Um, and then other things to mention are you have to get them in a carrier. You have to get them in your car. Mm-hmm. With a dog, you have to get them used to the car. Um, what we suggest with cats is get a cat carrier, set it out in your living room, leave the door open, put a favorite toy in there, put a little catnip in there, mm-hmm. put, and leave it for a period of time. Yeah. I'm not talking about an hour. I'm talking like a week, yeah. two weeks. or just... Leave, leave it. it there all, all the time. Exactly. If you can, yeah. And so the cat gets used to seeing the carrier. So it's not like when you go to take your cat to the vet, you get your carrier out and they go, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was my cat. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're used to the carrier. And then you start letting them in the carrier and you shut the door and you keep it shut for five seconds and right. you open the door and let them back out. Then it's 20 seconds and it's 15. Right. I mean, I'm not going the right direction, but you get my point. Yes. Uh, and then what you want to do is load the carrier with the cat in it, in your car, shut the car door, get in the car, driver's seat, back the car out of the driveway, maybe go around the block, mm-hmm. come back home, get the carrier out, take it in your house. What that is, you're just giving your cat a short car ride. Right. And then you can lengthen those car rides. But again, by the time you get ready to take your kitten to the veterinarian or need to take your now adult cat, they're used to the carriers. They don't think they're a bad thing. They're right. used to getting in the car. And then I would recommend when you get to your veterinarian, like you make an appointment where you just want like five minutes of your veterinarian's time. And it's not to give the cat a shot. It's not to, you know, right. do something. But you're just going to make an appointment, sit there in the lobby, go back and see the veterinarian. He's going to pet your cat. He or she's going to pet your cat. And home you go. Right. And it's just, it's not a traumatic experience. So the fact that they uh, do that, you know, it's just normal to them then by the time you go to the veterinarian's office. And you may, if you discover that your kitten has a favorite treat, you may want to give some to your veterinarian, let your veterinarian give it to the cat when yes, you're visiting as well. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, it's funny because one of my horses got hurt pretty bad, uh, his hoof, and he had to go to the clinic and be in care for a couple of days and mm-hmm. picked him up, brought him home. And now he has to go back every six weeks to have his hoof checked while we're dealing with mm-hmm. this. And uh, so his next appointment was today and he loaded up. He's consistently loaded up great into the trailer when he was going for trail rides. He used to be a show horse, although yeah. I don't show him, but, right. um, <clears throat> but the last time he got loaded, he went to the veterinarian and he was there for two days and he threw a tizzy fit and, uh, when my husband went to, you know, pick him up because he thought he was getting left without, you know, uh-huh, had to stay there. So uh-huh. he threw a tiz fit. But anyway, loaded him up this morning and he was not in a happy place to move to load. Yeah. And they remember. They remember. And that's why if you can make these experiences really positive for your kitten or your puppy yep. from the beginning, uh, it's definitely the way to go because that's what's gonna get in their heads about getting in the car, getting in a crate. From a puppy, do you recommend a crate, or do you are you okay with them in loose in the in the car? I I I mean personally, I just let my dog in the car. Right. I, I never crated her. I, it's not safe. I'll be the first to admit that. Yeah. Um, because they can hop around and like my dog eventually learned because she always wanted to sit on my lap, and I'm like like I'm driving. You can't you right can't do that. Um, so she finally figured out. Okay, I have to stay over here in the passenger seat, but. Uh, I mean, the safest thing to do is to put your dog in a crate and, you know, put him in the back seat or whatever. Um, and the reason for that, and we dealt with this when I was doing animal services where people get in car accidents and their dog wasn't mm. in a crate and the dog hops out the window. Um, we heard this on the news before uh, many, many times. And then the dog's lost because the dog's scared. Um, sometimes the dog may not even be from around here because people are traveling. So just always get your dog used to a crate. That's real. That's good thoughts. Yeah. And like my dog was crate trained, so I very easily could have put a crate in the car. Right. It was pure laziness out of my part. But, um, yeah, just always put your animal in a crate. And if, and if you're one of those folks that say, oh, I feel like that's so mean, it's, definitely not mean it's the safest thing that you can do when you're not at home um dogs tend to get into things that you didn't even know you had right yep they find things so um just crate train them Uh, it's it's good for their brain they're learning something new um and to your point if 
you know, God forbid something ever happened to your dog and they had to go to the vet and stay a couple days, um, they're going to be in a crate the whole time. Right. They're not going to be out running around. Right. Uh, so the more they're uh, familiar with that, the less stress it's going to be on the dog if that was to ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. You really got to think about the long term stuff, mm-hmm. too. I mean, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I can have my cute little puppy sitting on my lap and pretty soon your cute little puppy is 80 pounds. Exactly. You know, and it's dangerous or, it's, yeah. oh, my cat's fine. It's my kit and I'll just keep it on my lap. Yeah. Until it's a cat and all of a sudden it's underneath your accelerator where exactly. you're trying to drive. I mean, exactly. You know, you got to think of those things. And uh, it's just these little tips, you know, for when you're getting your kitten or puppy started out <clears throat> are really great just to do just mm-hmm. normal do yep. um but I, I think it's important and you and i talk about this too dan is you can do this stuff with adult animals too oh so. yeah you can always teach a, an old dog new tricks that's right you know people say you can't but you totally can you and can. same with a cat absolutely absolutely just start slow get the crate out i mean and, you, and it's just as important to do it with adults as it is with the puppies and kittens yeah and you know, this, we used to say this all the time, like you don't train, like if you get a puppy and you take it to puppy training class and you go through the six weeks or eight weeks, whatever it is, you're not done at the end of the eight weeks. Right. Training right. is literally every single day of yep. the, the dog or the cat's life. And you don't have to like actively give them treats, but right. you're constantly interacting with them and, you know, they get used to uh, routines and behaviors and um, that's you're training them yep. when, when that happens, you don't even know that you're training them or in some cases they're training you right. and you don't even know what's happening. <laughs> right. Um, so it's just, it's always, you should always, uh, do that with, with your pet. You th- and let's be honest, if people can train rhinoceroses <laughs> and giraffes <laughs> yeah. to stand at a, a fence and then they draw blood from their jugular vein, like you can teach your dog how to go in a crate. Right. Or you can teach your cat to allow you to touch its paws. Right. Like this is stuff that we can do. Yeah. And all of that training can be done absolutely 100% with kindness. Oh, yeah. Positive reinforcement. Yeah, 100%. That's all they use to train the zoo animals. That's right. And, you know, they put their legs up on blocks so that they can check the bottoms of their hooves. and. Yep draw blood that's right so there's literally zero excuse to have an animal that is scared of everything right because that's your duty is to you know put them in the car with right. you take them to a strip mall and just walk around you don't have to go in any stores but walk yep. around so they're used to people they see other animals exactly and you can teach them how you want them to respond in those situations right and you know nine times out of ten when you go somewhere and a dog is being kind of a jerk, it's not because they're mean. It's because right. they're scared. Right. Because they they don't know what to do. Right. Nobody's ever shown them, like, you'll be fine. Yeah. So yeah. it's our duty to do that. That's exactly right. So thank you for these questions because, uh, you know, I really feel like <clears throat> they're great education for everybody who's mm-hmm. maybe thinking about getting a kitten and a puppy and hadn't thought, gee, I should touch its paws. I should right. look at its ears. I should do the tail. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, I sat on the couch the other night with my cat and literally was like touching his paws. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's 15 years old and I'm still doing it. Touching right. his paws. I was checking his ears. I was lifting up his lip and he's doing nothing but sleeping through it all. Right. Exactly. Because he's so used to me doing it yeah. that it's nothing, you yeah. know? And it's so easy, especially when you have a puppy or a kitten because they sleep all the right. time. And you know, they're always on your lap or next to you or, you know, on your chest yeah. or whatever. Just, that's when you do it. Right. Like, they don't have to be awake because they can feel you doing it. Right. Um, of course, it's also important to do it when they are awake. But um, it's it's the e- probably the easiest thing because you can do it. It's absent-minded right. stuff. You know, you don't really need to think about it. You can Ouch. also do it. You can also do it in stages. So that's right. You know, Lily, my kitty, like she hadn't had her claws probably trimmed before. Mm-hmm. So except for when she came into the ARL, we did it. So mm-hmm. now I'm working on learning. So I did a one to that's start. Right. Yeah. I stopped. I put the put the clippers down so she nailed clippers down so she could see them. 
a couple days later, I did a couple more. Yeah. And that's, you know, just gradual. And you can do that same thing. If you go to reach your kitties or uh, adult cat's um, paw and they're freaking out on you, don't force them into right. it. Touch them, give them a little t- tuna and walk away yeah. and come back to do it again. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And the doing one nail and then, you know, the next day doing another nail. Yep. You don't have to do all of their nails at the same time. That's right. You can yep. you can totally do that. And yeah. then by the time you get through it, then maybe the next time you do it, you can do three at a time. Exactly. And then before you know it, you can do all of them. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So questions for us, just be sure and reach out. Lots of different uh, avenues we've given you to do that. We're happy to answer your questions. Um, I've worked in cat behavior for about 30 years. Dan, you used to train dog classes and yeah. years and years and years and years. But if we and don't, let's be honest, it doesn't matter what type of animal it is. The concept is the same. Right. 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 You may need a fence between you and the tiger that you're trying exactly. to draw blood from, but <laughs> the concept or your kitten. was the same. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and if we don't know the answer to a question related to whatever species of animal you need help with, we will we will track it down and find it for you. Yeah. We I mean, you know, people that work at zoos. Yep. Mick. Yep. Is affiliated with Blank Park Zoo now, and he's helping train. Yep. Um, so we know people. <coughs> we do. We can, all over the country. Yeah, exactly. We you, can. Um, we can get your question answered. That's for right. Sure. That's right. Great. All right. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back. We're going to talk about some cool stuff with animals that actually change their color in winter. Mm. Uh, Maybe I should do that. All right. <laughs> we'll be back. It costs $15 per day to provide the needed shelter, food, toys, and veterinary care for each animal at the Animal Rescue League of Iowa. And right now, we have over 1,000 animals in our care. For as little as $5 per month, you can join our loyal friends club to ensure that the ARL will continue to be there for animals in need. $5 per month will help change the life of four homeless pets each year. Visit arl-iowa.org to sign up. Welcome back to For Love of Animals podcast. I'm Carol, and I'm here with Dan. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about six animals that change color in the winter. I don't know why I never thought about this, but obviously I know, like, oh, they're that color, and now they're that color. Right. But it was fascinating to me. So This is another uh, evolution thing, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, I can't be this color in the winter. Right. Yeah. So cool. Um. So the first one uh, that's noted here is weasels, um, but it does say only three weasel species uh, change color. The least weasel, the long-tailed weasel, and the short-tailed weasel. So I was like, well, where are those at, right? So the least weasel or little weasel or common weasel um, is the smallest member of the weasel family. It is native to Eurasia, North America, and North Africa. Um, has also been introduced to New Zealand, Malta, Crete, the Azores, and um, some other country that I have no idea how to say that. Um, but they're tiny. They're, uh, you know, like eight ounces, four ounces. They're adorable. Yeah, they're super cute. But, of course, they're, you know, like a brown and white color in the uh, summer months. Uh, and then they change to pure white in, in the winter. Just so they can blend in with the snow. Right. Exactly. That's so amazing. Yeah, and then the short-tailed weasel um, is also called a stoat, which I've heard of that term before, um, is also native to Eurasia and North America. So uh, you can find all of those species in our country. That's so cool. Yeah. The next one was Arctic foxes. They're beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And uh, they note that they live in some of the harshest places on Earth. In the Arctic tundra, and of course, Arctic foxes, Arctic tundra, right. temperatures are very low. Summer is very short. In the summer, that Arctic fox has short, thin, light gray fur that gradually changes into a thick white fur across its whole body and blends in with the snow. Much like the weasels that you were just talking about, Dan, mm-hmm. they depend on their fur for camouflage, but also for insulation. Yeah, they... There's a show called Life Below Zero. It was, I was on Discovery or something like that. I can't remember. Um, but they follow uh, a woman. Her name's Sue, and she lives in the Arctic Circle. And there's always tons of fox oh, around her really? property. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they love her. They know who she is now. Of course. Um, but every once in a while, you'll see an Arctic fox run by, and 
they're beautiful, you but can, you can barely see them in the winter. That's why I was just, it, that's exactly right. Even if you look at the pictures of them, like it should be one of those, where's Waldo? Where's yes. the Arctic fox? Exactly. Like, where's the weasel? And next is where is the... Hair. <laughs> <laughs> the snowshoe hair, to be uh, precise. Um, you know, they're the bigger ones, obviously not like the, the little bunny that's in our backyard, but... Um, of the 40 known species of hair, only six change color in the winter. Uh, these include the snowshoe hair, the Arctic hair, and the mountain hair. And they're named after their large furry feet that support the weight, uh, their weight on top of the thick snow. So that's why their feet are bigger, so that there's more coverage, so they don't sink into the snow. Oh, so fascinating. Another evolution thing. My gosh. Yeah. And the next one, do you know what these are? You know what? I was just going to say, you know, Dan, why don't you take two in a row? <laughs> so I don't even know how to pronounce that. I do. And the only reason is because they also talk about these birds on the Life Below okay. Zero show. It's a ptarmigan. Ptarmigan. So the P is silent. The P is silent. Okay. Yes. Um, it's a small bird that lives in regions from the Arctic tundra to the bore boreal forests of North America and Eurasia. Uh, three species of these change color in the winter, the rock ptarmigan, the white-tailed ptarmigan, and the willow ptarmigan, which um, is funny because the photo of these, and they're beautiful. They have very furry feet, you know, to keep their uh, feet warm. Um, but those are willows behind them. Oh, and really? Yeah, in the photo? Uh-huh. Which we'll post, so. Yes. And I only know that from that show, too. Fascinating. Yeah. I'll take the next one. Yeah, they're cute. Uh, and you know, I used to raise these. I know, me too. Yes, actually, I used to raise the normal size one. Did you do Russian dwarfs? Uh, I had, yeah, dwarf okay. hamsters. Yeah. I had the normal uh, okay. big ones. So we're talking about Russian dwarf hamsters. Um, and, of course, we're talking about when they're in the wild. And so when they live in the right. uh, grassy fields, northern China, Russia, Kazakh. Uh, I can never say that. Kazakhstan. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's mostly known for being a household pet. So right. these little Russian dwarf hamsters that you probably, maybe your kids even have them. But um, they're rounded hamsters, can be brown and gray with light underbellies. Some have distinct dorsal stripes running mm -hmm. from their head to the back of their tails, which is normally what I've seen when I've right. seen those. But they're also known as winter white hamsters because their thin dark fur gets replaced by thick white fur when the temperatures drop and the days shorten um, in captivity obviously because they're in heated houses and right. you know uh, <laughs> rarely their coats change color and please do not take your household pet and put it outside to see if it's going to change oh gosh, coats no, do not uh, do but um, they just you know don't mimic the shorter days from the light mm -hmm. so they stay are the normal colors um, as, when they're domesticated so they're darling yeah, they're super cute. And, yeah, that's exactly what I used to have. I had tons of them. Yeah. The, you know, they're, like, gray with the black stripe yeah. down there. I had body. the big size ones. Yeah, you know, the normal golden hamsters. Yeah, like so a teddy bear hamster. Like a teddy bear yeah. hamster, golden hamsters. Yes, love them. So Adorable. They are. Uh, number six here on the list is a caribou or reindeer. Beautiful antlers. Yeah, yeah they're huge. Um there are species of caribou only found in the Canadian Arctic archi archipelago. Uh, they tread through deep water between the small islands and graze on grass and moss, using their wide, shovel-like hooves to forage in the snow. Uh, they have a two layers of hair, a thick base, and then another layer of longer, finer hairs called guard hairs. Uh, their, hair, their long outer hair are hollow to trap warm air inside for insulation and protect the thick hair underneath from abrasion. Uh, Piri caribou are covered mainly in white fur, but have slate gray backs that turn a fair brown in the summer. And during winter, their fur may turn completely white, which is also fascinating. Uh, very. Yeah, it's it's, and what's even more weird is, you know, I've said this word five times now during this podcast, but this evolution, um, you know, they've done it because they figure if they're less likely to be seen by a predator, the less likely they are to live and to mate and to you know, carry on their genes. Yeah. Which is cray cray. It is. But we've talked about reindeer and caribou before. They're actually fascinating. Very much so. Yeah. Like I remember the fact that we talked about when they walk, their knees click. Yep. So and that, why do they click? And they click because if they're walking through a bunch of snow and it's a blizzard because it's always windy, um, then they can hear where everybody is so that they don't get trapped by themselves. Yeah. 
crazy tent. It is, and I mean the very fact that there's that one and whatever that has a red shiny nose. Yeah, uh, it's it's <laughs> you don't even fly. know what to do with that. I know, they, like turkey, <laughs> they can fly. <laughs> they can fly. You bet you didn't know that either, did you? <laughs> no, I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh uh, yeah, they're amazing. So anyway, that <laughs> I, that was just really informational for me. I. You know, I never really thought about that, that they change color and that there's reasons, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that they do. So really neat. Yeah, I love I love stuff like that. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. So um, we also came across a really cool um, thing about the smartest animals, what's mm-hmm. considered to be the smartest animals. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, clearly those six that we just talked about should be on this list. They absolutely right? should, except for <laughs> I guess they're not making the decision to turn white. They're just turning well, white. Well, this is yeah. true. <laughs> but someone did at some point in their lineage, right? Good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is um, the this is treehugger.com. Uh, yes. Uh, we don't need any comments about tree huggers. Um, we don't. Thanks. <laughs> we're just talking about the smartest animals right, here. Right, we're good. And number one... Is ravens. I, people never believe that when I tell them that, how smart ravens are. Yeah, and they're beautiful. Yeah. They're absolutely beautiful birds. They said they also multitask. Oh, yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, they're just recently, I'll find this video and um, I'll have Bernie post it. It was actually a video that a woman took uh, several years ago outside of her house. I can't, I, I want to say she lives in like Washington State somewhere and it had snowed a bunch. And there were two ravens literally playing in the snow. Oh, my gosh. And, like, I figured out what they were doing after a while. They yeah. were literally, like, uh, you know, birds take, like, dust baths. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of like what they were doing in the snow to, like, clean their feathers. But, like, they figured out that they could just rub themselves on the snow to clean their feathers and not have to go find water and freeze to death, you know? They were saying that they, um, uh, like, researchers put, like, food Mm-hmm. that they could be obtained and they had to figure out kind of a puzzle. Yes. Um, yes. They have, there's like a stick and they have to put the stick in this tube to push out something else. And then something else goes into the water, which raises the water level. And then it, they get a treat. Is that amazing? So like they're sitting there thinking through this. Yeah. They're problem solvers, problem solvers, multitasking problem solvers. Yep, so that's exactly right. Uh, yeah. And the movie, the birds by Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm. uh, Ravens were actually in that, in that movie as well. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I and mean, they, I've never gotten attacked by ravens. So I haven't either. I think but Alfred Hitchcock got that wrong. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock, he actually <laughs> revealed that 3,200 birds were trained for the movie. Oh my gosh, isn't that crazy? Seriously, 3,200 were trained for the movie. And he said that the ravens were the cleverest um, doing that. So they used seagulls, ravens, and crows. And he said that ravens were the smartest uh, in the training and that seagulls, as a side note, were the most vicious. But the point is, <laughs> ravens were the smart ones, um, according to him. Love and that. obviously, according to this list. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, number two on the list, dolphins. I think everybody probably knows this. Um, their behavior and their smarts have been very well documented throughout the years. Uh, it says these uh, cetaceans can recognize themselves in mirrors, which we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. Yep. Uh, and communicate with each other. Their large brains are structured for awareness and emotion and are even more structurally com- complex than those of humans. According to researchers, dolphins have larger brains than any other non human animal relative to the size of their bodies. And it says here the EQ uh, uh, of dolphins is also the highest, apart from humans, at 5.3. The EQ uh, from a raven perspective was estimated at 2.49. So obviously these aren't in like a list. Right, yeah. These are just the smartest animals. One of the other ones on the list is the rat. And of course, you and I talk about rats all the time because Mm -hmm. they're wonderful, wonderful pets. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, their poor reputation being, you know, as pests and then it not helped from the entertainment industry. But um, they actually can be trained just like dogs and can learn how to fetch or roll over. They've also been documented to be able to solve problems. So just amazing. Yeah, there was. um, Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this a 100 times. If you have. Uh, children that you don't want a pet, but you're not set up for a dog or a cat, and it's just too much. Uh, rats are a great choice. Yep, they're social, clean, um, very clean. They're, I mean, you can almost like litter train them to. Very you know, smart. Yeah, they're super smart. And let's face it, they're adorable. Really. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, I, I, I do love too. them. 
The um, next one on the list, Dan, is like... I know. I kind of like this, too. Yep. Number four is pigs. Uh, it says here, pigs may be the smartest domestic animal in the world, even smarter than your family dog. Our research researchers have found that domestic swine use mirrors to find their food and will try to deceive other <laughs> pigs so that they can hog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's my button? Yeah. Where's my button? Where? Oh, man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, to hog food from, from other people. Uh, you can also train pigs. Yep. Uh, they learn very quickly. They can do tricks ranging from jumping through hoops to playing video games with joysticks. Uh, their um, EQ is 0.38, but studies point out that the brain-to-body size ratio in pigs has been altered by the necessity of improved body weight and meat production. So we've kind of screwed up the genetics there a little bit, uh, doing you know what we've been doing for many many years. But um, you know I've been around many pigs, uh, you know um, farm pigs and uh, like pet pigs, right? And the pet pigs I've met. They're, I mean, it's just like a dog. They are like a dog. It's, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of commentary that could go along with this right now. Yes. In, in the state of Iowa. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just going to skip to the next one. Yeah, it's probably yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Number five is the good old bonobo. Yeah, um, super it, smart. Yes, very close cousin to the common chimpanzee, <clears throat> um, which is another famously intelligent animal. Uh, its EQ has been estimated at 1.8 to 2.36 in various studies both similar to but not quite reaching the level of chimps. So chimps are a little bit smarter, but um, these are the animals that they've taught to, like, communicate with those, uh, you know, actually the board kind of looks like yeah. this podcast board right? where they press buttons to communicate right? And say words and, you know, say what they want. So really, we don't need to be sitting here. No. We let's, could have let's a bonobo. Get the bonobo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, number six are ducks. This one kind of surprised me. This but surprises me, too. Um, they really started to talk about how they're known to imprint on their mothers. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were kind of trying to figure out, you know, how does that reveal and what does it reveal and how much does it reveal about their cognitive abilities. So scientists at the University of Oxford studied how the ducklings managed to differentiate between imprinted beings and non-imprinted beings, which is just fascinating. Um, and they put the ducklings in an enclosure, trailed two different pairs of objects around on strings, one pair of matching shapes, and one pair of non-matching shapes, like matching like two spheres, unmatching like a cylinder and a cube. Okay. And they uh, would show um, them the ducklings showed a tendency towards one of the sets, and they would put the research the researchers then would put the ducklings in a different enclosure with different matching and non-matching -match pairs. And so they did all this and figured out that the ducklings would follow after whichever set best resembled their original imprint. So if they followed like the two spheres in the first enclosure, they would follow the set of matching stuff in the second one. So whatever they originally imprinted, mm -hmm. matching or unmatching, that's what they would follow. And so they figured um, that the ten that same tendency had only been seen in primates, like the bonobos, yep. crows, like we just talked about yeah. with the ravens, parrots, and that indicated to them that ducks may be smarter than people originally thought. I mean, I believe it. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been around, you know, poultry. They could be considered poultry. And the imprinting is real with, with ducks and baby ducks and baby geese. Yep. They'll literally follow you around like you're its mother. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. And plus they're adorable. Oh, they're my so gosh. Cute. Seriously. Uh, number seven, we... Everybody probably knows this one, too, but elephants. Uh, they've been observed using tools such as sticks to pick at ticks and uh, palm fronds to swat, swat at flies. Uh, they also have an excellent memory, hence the saying, elephants never forget, which I'm, everybody probably knows. Uh, but they can also recognize members of their herd after years of separation and remember the location of old water sources if their current home is in a drought. Uh, it does say here, however, elephants' intelligence may sometimes put them at odds with their human neighbors. As the Nature Institute points out, some farmers equip elephants with wooden bells to alert them if animals have entered their banana groves. But young elephants have been observed stuffing their bells with mud so that th they can't make noise, <laughs> allowing them to eat bananas <laughs> unnoticed. So here's a, a thing where... They're like, no, we're smarter than you. <laughs> yes. and hmm. So we love that. Right. Exactly. Eat all the bananas you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So fun. Uh, number eight is a cow. 
uh, it says cows may seem like a placid animal merely concerned with chewing their cud, but as it turns out, they actually possess a rich and complex emotional life. They experience fear, anxiety, and also have excellent memories. Cows even develop their own social circles, becoming friends with the cows that treat them nicely and avoiding those who don't. Very sweet. Yeah. Very sweet. Um, there was also a scientific study done uh, that when cows were rewarded for improving at a task, they were more excited than uh, when they were given a treat, regardless, indicating that cows were aware of their own learning improvement. Yeah, super sweet. Uh, yeah, and I mean, this doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I always, when anybody ever mentions cows, I always think of this video. Um, I saw it, it was years ago on YouTube or something like that where and it was in like Scotland or something, but it had been storming for like days and days and days. And so the cows were cooped up in the, um, the barn. Yeah. And, uh, then it was beautiful outside. So, you know, the farmer let the cows out and they were literally jumping around because they were so excited to go outside. I'm like, clearly they know. Yeah. That gives me goosebumps. Right. Seriously. So we should do better. We should. Uh, number nine, bees. Uh, they exhibit what experts call classic swarm intelligence. A single bee may not be as smart in the classical sense, but a hive of bees mm. can be. If a swarm needs to find a new nest, they work together to collect information. Uh, and then ultimately, literally voting on which location would serve best as their new home. Um, it's, so it's crazy. I, I, it turns out they can actually hold kind of like a dance-off to if there's a disagreement on where to put their hive. So interesting. Right? So they're like voting. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Bees are, uh, bees are very interesting. And I know they like remember paths yeah. like, from their hives to like where the good flowers are. Right. And like, if you, they've done studies where like, if they turn the hive, then yeah. the bees kind of get a little bit disoriented because right. they don't know, you know, they always went this way. So which is interesting. <clears throat> a few podcasts ago, we talked about my, incident with the next number 10 on this list <laughs> and for the holidays one of the my wonderful co-workers actually made me this creature because i had told this story at work because uh-huh. i was so shook about this uh-huh. species being in the back of my car <laughs> and being um so i believe that they're super smart after this but number 10 we're talking about are squirrels yes uh they're fast learners <laughs> Uh, according to a study from the University of uh, Exeter, and they learn from their peers, especially when stealing food. (laughs) Furthermore, when squirrels are known to bury food in the fall in preparation for winter, they will sometimes only pretend to bury it to trick onlooking animals to protect their food supply. (laughs) Uh, Studies have found that tree squirrels to have a higher IQ than ground squirrels and gray squirrels to be smarter than red squirrels. They're adorable. Yeah, they're cute. They're I love them. They're very cute. They're not so cute when they're two inches from your face. Right. But Hopping at you. Right. But they're adorable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to be smart or have some sort of crazy brain activity going on there to remember where you bury walnuts and right. acorns and right. stuff like months later. Now we I mean, did... I go get home and take my keys out of my pocket and set them <laughs> somewhere and then... Like an hour later, I have no idea where they're at. But we've also just decided that a bonobo could sit here and do this podcast. Oh, this so, is true. You know, this really, where are we true. going with this, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> so that's our uh, 10 of the smartest animals on earth, according to treehugger.com. So um, we uh, are going to take another break. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be wrapping up, talking about upcoming event. Um, and uh, so we'll be back in just a minute. Hope you come back. Tis the season of giving, and the Animal Rescue League is collecting donations now through December 31st with our annual Tree of Life event. Here's how it works. Visit our website, arl-iowa.org, to view our wish list, purchase items of your choice, and place them under the tree at any of our Tree of Life locations around the Des Moines area. These donations are put to use all year long and make a huge impact on the animals in our care. Again, visit arl-iowa.org. Thank you and happy holidays. Welcome back, everyone. We're back with For Love of Animals podcast. I'm Carol, and I'm here with Dan, and we are just wrapping up this episode. Uh, So I want to remind everyone to mark your calendars now for the Raise Your Paw auction. That is coming up on April 20th, 2024 at the uh, Meadows at Prairie Meadows. Um, so please mark your calendars. Plan to attend. This is yeah, and it's a Saturday, so you have no. It's excuse. a Saturday, and it's let me tell you, all the money raised from it 
goes back to help the Animal Rescue League. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this the largest fundraiser of the year. It definitely is yeah. the largest fundraiser of the year. And and the thing is, is it's kind of like a celebration of pets. Right. It's lots of fun. We have appetizers. We have hundreds. I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds of items that are going to go up for auction, all donated. Yeah. Um, we auction them off. Uh, we have a wine and whiskey wall. So if you want to donate either an item for the auction or a bottle of wine or some whiskey, we do that as a raffle. We have entertainment. We have really fun, cool stories about animals mm-hmm. and stuff. All It's just a fun evening. Yeah. And I mean, I saw some stuff out here that was from some movie set. Yeah. Isn't so, that cool? Yeah. There's literally a little bit of everything. Yeah. Jewelry, artwork, like you said, celebrity stuff, mm-hmm. uh, furniture, weekends away, uh, baskets of all sorts. We have mm-hmm. our basket party that comes up in February. We'll, oh, be, yeah. we'll be talking, talking about more that. about too. So you always put, to, well, the past, I don't know what you're doing this year, but last couple of years you've done the trip to Vegas with and yeah. Lotto. And, yeah, the uh, lottery ticket. I'll probably do the same. People yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's a I nice don't, um, thing. I did, uh, so the... The last two years that I've done that, the same family has has bought it. Has bought oh, it. how fun is that? Um, and I did talk to her. Uh, well, it was this year's um, auction, and she did mention that <coughs> there was like it was kind of like a hassle to use the uh, hmm. air airplane ticket okay. uh, gift card. So I don't know if I'll do that, yeah, or just do um, like one big Visa card or whatever, and yeah. then they can use it wherever they want. Yeah, fun. Yeah. But cash is king, man. Cash is king and lots of lotto tickets. I know that's filled with that. So anyway, if you have an item to donate, a new item to donate, uh, please reach out to us on our website is fine, www.arl-iowa.org. You can contact us through there. Um, And But in... Whatever happens, just mark that calendar for April 20th and plan to attend the yeah, event. We'll, we'll have tickets going up for sale very soon. And if you're ever looking for any information on our fun events, you can go to our website and there's a tab at the top that says events and click on that and a calendar comes up and it's all color coded with fun events, training stuff, lots of stuff. And Dan, let's say so we were talking earlier about puppies and kittens. Where would they find puppy classes if they're looking for those? Yeah, that's a, exactly where you would go. The website, arl-iowa.org. Click on events. And then um, to your point on the color coding on the left-hand side, there's one for training classes. Um, and they're they're all over the place. Um, it looks like here's some maybe good manners and puppy kindergarten might start at the beginning of January. So if you're getting a puppy... Uh, or a gift card for an animal um, to adopt uh, at the ARL, and it's, you know, a Christmas thing, well, you know, you have to train it. Right. Um, and you have to know how to train it yep. properly. Uh, so go out there, find the the class that's most appropriate. Um, obviously, you're not going to want to take a puppy to, uh, you know, good manners because right. they're not going to know anything yet. But um, go out there and, and Look at them, sign up. They also have drop-in training classes. So if you just need help for with a few things, um, go out there, get the help you need, and and move on. Absolutely. I think that's it. I think we're. I think wrote. we're. I think that's all she wrote for this week. Yeah. And it's been interesting. We've been doing this about a month, and we found out we've had people from seventeen different states download our podcast. We're yeah, gonna which have is to, fun. We're gonna work towards fif- all of them. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. All of them. So uh, hopefully you've signed up for our ARL for Love of Animals Facebook page. If not, please go do that. Um, love to be able to just kind of have that contact with you guys. So yeah, absolutely. see what's going on. But uh, we've got lots for 2024. We're going to have lots of uh, guests coming on and lot covering lots of different topics. So we're really excited for 2024. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I uh, hope everybody had a, a great Christmas. Uh, we didn't mention that or whatever you celebrate. Right. A, a great holiday. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't, will we see them, will we talk to them? Yeah. Uh, probably right after the New Year. Right after so the New happy Year. New yeah, Year's. so Happy New Year. Yeah. I don't even know what day it is. And if you, um, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. That's right. Everyone pop forward. Have a great holiday. We'll see you next time. <laughs>